Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown. A podcast talking about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Here's the host, Lee W. Mowen. Well, here we are again, fans. It's episode 10, and I've been gone off the podcasting scene for over a month now. According to my agenda, this was supposed to be the week I recorded episode 15, but, uh, yeah, things haven't happened as I planned them. So, without further ado, episode 10 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown will be used catching up on what's happened around the Cincinnati and Dayton sporting scenes, and also briefly about why... I haven't made a podcast in over a month. We'll go ahead and start with that right now, because fall sports, there's a lot of things happening since September 20th. So, I guess, well, first off, before I get into the story, if you'd like to follow me on social media, it's the Lee W. Mowen. Uh Twitter is the biggest social network I'm on. Uh, you can follow me and see what I do announcing-wise and everything like that. Also, Facebook, Instagram, you know, the usual suspects. And you can also listen to this podcast on my website, theleadwmallon.com, also on the host site, gemcitysports.com. You can also listen to it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. I think there's probably another outlet out there, too, but let's get going. So this is an episode that I've wanted to do for a couple weeks. I just haven't had the fire. I haven't had the, I don't know what to call it, the get up and go to go actually do episode 10. Uh, there was a couple of ideas I had, they didn't pan out, and, and there's a couple of days that I was open, and I just didn't feel like doing a podcast. So episode 9 was the last one I did. It was uh, someone emailing me, uh, asking me to tell the people a little bit more about myself, but I guess no. No, it wasn't. 
as I got a pretty long message afterwards, and <laughs> that's what really uh, sent me downward on, you know, this month-long absence. I, I didn't care. So, yeah. Um, of course, there's a couple days where I work, you know, announcing-wise and everything, but I, I could have made time. I just didn't. There were times where I stare at my notebook that I used to dot out uh, episode guidelines and outlines, and for hours I just stare at it. I was like, yeah. Uh, so uh, the passion went away for a while, uh, a month and some change, and I thought to myself, that's not fair because I feel like this podcast gets down into the wonderful sporting scene of Cincinnati and Dayton, and I feel like people need that. I mean, heck, we're in week 10 of high school football in Ohio, and in Indiana there's some schools that have already played all their football, because uh, Indiana starts a week ahead before. And unlike Ohio, I believe uh, in Indiana you play your season, then you get a playoff game. In Ohio you have to be in the top eight, of your respective division and region to get a playoff spot. Most of the divisions are top eight, and I'm not 100% sure if Division One went back to eight or 12, or stood at 12, I guess is what I'm saying. So I I apologize, fans, for being gone so long. That wasn't my intention. It's my fault. I not blaming on anyone all me. I lost the passion for it, and now I'm trying to kick it back up again. And hopefully you'll stay with me through this journey of mine. I also wanted to do a homecoming episode about Wright State's homecoming, because I got to work uh, two games and was part of the I just what's happened in the wonderful world of sports here in Cincinnati and Dayton. We'll start off with Wright State. The women's soccer season's just about done for the Raiders. They have one more game on the road at Detroit Mercy. Right now, the Raiders are in fourth place with 15 conference points, a 5-3 record. Of course, three points for a win, one point for a draw, and zero points for a loss. And the Raiders are 10-7 and overall, winning two in a row. They won their home finale and senior night against Cleveland State by a score one nothing. Very scary second half, especially in the last few minutes. Cleveland State won a penalty kick opportunity in minute number 88-89. It was close to the end of the game. It was saved by sophomore goalie Maddie Jewell, and the Raiders won their home finale, beating the Vikings, who currently are tied for fourth. Currently, your Horizon League women's soccer standings Look like this. Milwaukee, six wins, two draws. Overall, 14 wins and three draws. No losses for the Panthers. Uh, behind the Milwaukee Panthers are the Northern Kentucky North, 6-1-1. One, one, one point behind the Panthers. And newcomer to the HL, IUPUI, which is short for Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. They are in third place with a 6-2 and two record. So not too far behind, too. However, the Jaguars have lost two in a row. They sit at 13-5 and five overall. Northern Kentucky, 9-5-1. and one. And the big part about wanting the number one seed is you get to host semifinals and the finals. 
at your campus. So you get three more games there. So right now, if the season were in today, which it won't, there's one more game for everyone. It would be held at UWM, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And right now, if the season were to end today, which it won't, because remember, Raiders are on the road Friday at Detroit Mercy, the Raiders would host Cleveland State, and IUPUI would host the UIC Flames. Oakland, Green Bay, Detroit Mercy, and Youngstown State would not make the Horizon League tournament. This is for a ticket to the big dance in women's soccer. We now move on to the men's soccer side. A couple more games for the Raiders men's soccer. We take a look at the standings. Right now, Green Bay on top. Five wins, one loss, and a draw in conference play. Overall, 6-4-3. and three. Raiders right behind the Phoenix. 5-2 and two in Horizon League play. Losing in double overtime to Green Bay and in regulation at Milwaukee. UIC in third place with 13 points, 4-2 and 1 of the Flames. Milwaukee sits in fourth place, 4-3. Four Cleveland State in fifth place, 3-2 two and 2. Detroit Mercy, 3-3 three, three and 1. The Titans fell at Wright State's homecoming. The Raiders picked up a 3-1 win to close out homecoming weekend. Oakland was set to win the Horizon League. They currently sit in seventh place, 3-3 three, three and 1. Had a rough trip throughout Dayton, lost 2 nothing at Wright State and 6-2 at Dayton. And yours truly was PA for both of those matches. Norfolk, Kentucky sits in 8th place, 2-3-2 two, two are the Norse. Belmont 2-5 overall in conference play, 5-7-2 overall are the Bruins. And newcomers IUPUI 0-7 in the league and 0-12-1 overall. That is the opponent, the IUPUI Jaguars, in Wright State's last home game of the 2017 regular season. And again, same thing. Number one seed hosts the semifinals and finals. Three and four host the quarterfinals match. Wright State has two more games to go in conference play. Green Bay has Belmont at home and Nova Kentucky on the road. We go to Wright State. IUPUI is at home on November the 3rd for the Raiders. And Wright State with a road game at Cleveland State this upcoming Saturday. As you look at both soccer squads of the Raiders, we now take a gander at the volleyball team. Had the pleasure of broadcasting a match on ESPN3. Have another honor of doing that this Friday which would be the 27th of the month. So in case you're listening to this podcast before October 27th, uh, check out my call on ESPN3. There's a link on wsuraiders.com. We look at the standings of volleyball. Newcomers IUPUI with an 8-2 and record. 12-11 and overall are the Jags. Cleveland State, they fell to 2-2 two and two for Wright State's first conference win on the season and since then the Vikings are now 7-3 and three, tied for second with Oakland the Vikings have won four in a row and the Vikings will be in town this upcoming Friday so you have IUPUI in first Cleveland State Oakland 7-3 and three, tied for second and fourth is Green Bay they were the number one team in Horizon League coming in with a 4-0 record and since the Raiders handed 
the Phoenix their first conference loss. The Phoenix since then have went two and three in Horizon League play. Six and four sits Green Bay. UIC Northern Kentucky tied at five and five for fifth place. Milwaukee in seventh. Four and six. Wright State three and seven. Youngstown State zero and ten. And Detroit does not field a volleyball team. You have to get the into the top six to play in the conference tournament, just like soccer. And right now it would be IUPUI, CSU, Oakland, Green Bay, UIC, and Northern Kentucky. Raiders are a couple games back of the Norse, who swept the home-and-home home from Wright State. And Wright State left to go in the season. Cleveland State Friday, I'll have the broadcast for that on ESPN3. Then you have Oakland coming in on the 28th. One more conference road trip at UIC and Green Bay. And then back home against Youngstown State and Milwaukee on the 8th and 10th of November to close out the regular season. Like I said, being in the top six means you get to play in the tournament. And being outside of that means your season's done after the regular season. So that's your look at Wright State Falls Sports. Wright State Hockey has gotten underway, and the club football team has too. Club football had their home opener against Ohio State during homecoming. Went to three overtimes, and the Raiders led by six after their third overtime drive, but Ohio State came back and won it 22-20. to And right now, looking on the Twitter of Wright State Football, which is Wright, you know, the airplane people, Orville and Wilbur Wright, not, you know, what you do to a notepad. Wright, S-T-F-B-A-L-L, tackle football and everything. It's not NCAA football, so whatever. I have this fight with just about everyone. It doesn't matter. It's a club sport. It does matter, and it also helps that I help, you know, start it up, and I was the unofficial media liaison. I guess that'd be a correct title. I don't know. So the Raiders picked up a very big 33-6 victory over the Pitt Panthers club team. All these teams, you know, club team, not talking NCAA. I, I think that's against the rules to play club teams. I could use a joke, but nah, I won't. Miami beating Ohio State that day, too, on the 21st means that Wright State's still in the hunt for a conference title because they beat Miami 20 nothing in Oxford and the Red Hawks still have to go to Wright State. They play at Mulholland Field, which is behind Alumni Field, the campus of Wright State. They play in their own field. Very, very nice. Considering when I was in college, we played one spring game at Wayne, a couple seasons at Bellbrook, and I forget when. I think it's 2013, 2014, the Raiders had their home field. Also, with that 33-6 win over the Pitt Panthers, Darren Ortega of the Raiders picked up the Offensive Player of the Week honors. Darren went 19 for 29, throwing for 280 yards and recording five touchdowns through the air. Very impressive work by Wright State. In case you want to know who the defensive player of the week was, it was Oakland, Oakland, Michigan, the same Oakland that's in the Horizon League with the Raiders. Stephen O'Connell, three interceptions, two for pick sixes, 
and two pass deflections against Michigan Flint, which was Wright State's big rival when the program started up. They had a trophy. I forget what it was called. There you go, a little bit on Wright State football, Wright State hockey. They're playing at their new home in Springfield. Used to call Kettering Ice Arena home with the Dayton Flyers club hockey team. But this year is the first year that that's not the case. Flyers have Kettering all to themselves, and Wright State has National Trail Parks and Recreation Department Chiller, or NTPRD Chiller for short, or just Springfield Chiller. That sounds a lot better. And on Twitter, you can follow the hockey team at WSU Raider Hockey. On some of the tweets on October 21st, Love Raiders made the trip over to Ohio State. Yes, Ohio State has varsity hockey, but also they field club hockey. Same with Miami. Also going on Wright State's hockey Twitter feed, there is a racer, Lee Underwood, who has a racing helmet with a lot of hockey teams on there. A lot of memories tied up on it. Wright State happens to be on there. Troy Trojans, Dayton Bombers, Troy Bruins, Youth Hockey logo. I see Blue Jackets on there. And Dayton on there, too. It's very nice. Check out the photo at WSU Raider Hockey. It was retweeted. Your standings in the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League, which has a lot of local Cincinnati-Dayton teams. We'll get ahead and knock all of them out. Cincinnati, 7-1 on the year with 21 points and scoring an amazing 67 goals with just 19 given up. Miami, not too far behind. The Red Hawks... Club team 6-2 and two, with 49 goals scored. Ohio Bobcats 5-0. and oh, Louisville 4-0. and oh, The Dayton Flyers 3-0 or 3-1-0. Ohio State is 2-2. Two two. Pittsburgh 2-2. Two two. Xavier 1-3-1. One, one. Akron 1-1-7-0-1. That last one was a draw. Bowling Green with a draw. Two and four losses. And Wright State... Zero and eight. So that's your look at both Dayton Flyers club hockey and Wright State club hockey. And a perfect gateway to swing to Dayton Flyers sports. And the Flyers have men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball in the fall. Also gridiron, Flyers too. We'll take a look at men's soccer first, as yours truly is the PA announcer for the Flyers men's soccer team. Dayton, 4-2 overall in conference play. 7-7-2 seven, seven, overall, or the Flyers. Had a battle for first place with the UMass Minutemen last Saturday. And the Minutemen scoring a penalty kick conversion with about 7 and some change to go in the game. They won it 3-2 against the Flyers. UMass leads the A-10, the Atlantic 10 Conference. 5 wins, 1 draw, 11-2-3 overall, or UMass. Very impressive squad. VCU 5-1 in conference play, George Washington 5-2. The Colonials handed the Flyers their first conference loss. Fordham 4-1-1 are the Rams. Dayton 4-2, Rhode Island 3-2-1. Davidson 3-3-1. St. Bonaventure, LaSalle, and St. Louis tied at 2-4. St. Joseph's 1-4-1. They fell at Dayton in overtime. Duquesne 1-5, the next opponent for the Flyers on the road. And George Mason, led by the first-ever coach of the Columbus crew and Wright State Raider Hall of Famer Greg Andrulis. 
Patriots 0-5-1 in A-10 play, 5-7-2 overall. And A-10 this year trying something new with their conference tournament. It used to be the host school, which you didn't have to get the number one seed. It was picked randomly. This year it's at Bojan Field. So if you like my voice for some reason, you can come out and see a lot of soccer, hear a lot of me announcing goals, announcing subs, you know. Stuff that PA announcers do. I get to do that this year at Bojan Field, and I'm quite thrilled. So the A-10, like I mentioned, a random site for the tournament. However, this year, uh, there will be a couple schools that can host a quarterfinal game, and then they'll head on to Dayton to the semifinals and finals, where the two years I worked, A-10 conference tournaments it used to be every game was played so the first day we had four games then the semifinals with two and then the finals with one when I did the men's soccer tournament in 2013 all was going well and then championship day Bojan fields flooded so we go to Kettering altar they have a turf field behind their high school in Kettering and we wore George Mason the A-10 tile they score in a penalty kick, lighten the match, and take down St. Louis. It was a lot of fun. The next year, women got to host, and I got to broadcast all those games. Well, actually, some of those games. Again, four quarterfinal games, and then two semifinals and final. This year, it's a couple of schools get to host quarterfinals, and then the winners will go on to Dayton. So as you look at men's soccer, the Flyers have a couple games go like I said there are Duquesne coming up and then on the 1st of November George Mason rolls into town the Flyers have their senior day against UMass 11 Flyers honored that day a tough 3-2 loss for the Flyers to take in the hands of the top team in the A-10 UMass it's a very good game the Flyers gave UMass their all it was very very strong effort by the Flyers so Duquesne on the 28th on the road, George Mason at home on the 1st. And then the A-10 championship starts Friday, November 10th at Bojan Field at Dayton. And the final on the 12th of November, again at UD. The quarterfinals, by the way, are November 4th through November 5th. Hard to believe that's coming up. And we look at women's soccer. Great news for the Flyers as they got the last spot in the tournament with their 3-1 win at UMass. It was the next day after the Flyers men's soccer lost by a goal. The women who have an amazing record against UMass. I think 6-2 and two at UMass and like 17-4 and four overall. Now 18-4 and four if I'm remembering right. Flyers the last team into the A-10 championship, LaSalle 9-0-1, the top team in women's soccer for Atlantic 10, St. Louis 7-2-1, George Mason 6-2-2, Duquesne 6-3-1, George Washington 5-2-3, St. Joseph's 5-3-2, VCU 5-3-2 as well, and Dayton 4-4-2, edging out UMass at 4-5-1, Fordham at 3-5-2, St. Bonaventure 2-6-2, Richmond 2-6-2. The Flyers got a 5-1 win, their regular season home 
game against the Spiders. Davidson 0-7-3 and Rhode Island no wins and 10 losses in A-10 play. Look at the scoreboard. The University of Richmond will be the host for the women's soccer tournament. Your quarterfinals will be October 28th, 29th this weekend. Dayton Flyers, the number eight seed in the tournament. They'll take on number one LaSalle. That'll be the first match. Duquesne versus George Washington, match two. Match three is St. Louis against St. Joseph's, and George Mason will square off with VCU. The winners of those four quarterfinal games will go to the semifinals at Sportsbacker Stadium in Richmond, Virginia. And if Dayton does defeat LaSalle, it will be the winner against Duquesne and George Washington. Both those teams defeated the Flyers in the regular season, as LaSalle did as well. You look at women's soccer. We'll now take a look at volleyball. Flyers doing quite well this year in the sport. Last year had the best winning percentage of NCAAs. Currently sitting in second place behind undefeated VCU. The Rams are 9-0. The Flyers are 8-0. VCU 23-2 overall. Dayton 17-6. Behind the Rams and Flyers in volleyball. St. Louis at 6-2. Duquesne 5-4. Steve Opperman leading the Dukes. Former Wright State volleyball coach in the 1990s. Also assistant coach at Dayton Flyers before he got the head coaching job at nearby Wright State, if I remember my game notes from last year's broadcast. Fordham 4-6, Rhode Island same at 4-6, George Washington 3-6, LaSalle, Davidson, and George Mason sit at the bottom of the volleyball standings at 2-7. Look at the next upcoming battle for these squads. Like I mentioned, VCU half game better than Dayton. Currently, both the Rams and Flyers undefeated, 17-0 combined in A-10 play. Flyers will be at Davidson this Friday and at VCU on Sunday. Sunday's game, big, big match between currently two undefeated squads, but you can't look past Davidson. And for VCU, they will host St. Louis on Friday. The Flyers will be back home on the 3rd. The host Rhode Island at the Frerich Center on Friday, November 3rd at 7. And on Sunday, Fordham will come into town at 1 o'clock. And the Flyers will hit the road again. They'll be at George Washington and George Mason. So just one battle between Dayton and VCU in conference play. That will be a big one at Virginia Commonwealth University. We looked at the volleyball squad. Now we take a look at football. Of course, the Atlantic 10 does not sponsor football. The Flyers are home in the Pioneer Football League. Picked up a big win at Davidson by a score of 48-22. to Flyers really poured it on in the third quarter, led 21-12 to at the half. Put 27 points on to Davidson's 10 of the second half. And picked up their third win overall. The Flyers 3-5 and 2-3 and and in Pioneer Football League play. Will host Butler this upcoming Saturday of 1. And Marist on the 4th of November. For hitting the road for one last PFL game of the regular season. At Valpo at 2 o'clock November 18th. Had a three-game losing streak, but snapped it with a 20-10 win at Drake in Iowa. 
Flyers 3-5 and five in football. That closes up Wright State and Dayton. We'll take a look at the other schools as well. First up for Sinclair. The Tartans do not host either gender of soccer. The only fall sport the Tartans have is volleyball. And currently the Tartans sit 20-9 overall, 10-4 in Ohio Community College Athletic Conference play. They beat Miami Middletown on the road three sets to none, hosting UC Claremont the 24th of October and Hawking on the 25th. They'll have one last OCCAC match at Owens Community College, a team that the Tartan Pride were swept in three sets to none. We'll make our way to Cedarville really quick and tell you how the Yellow Jackets are faring. We'll start off with women's soccer for Cedarville. Jackets are 11-5-1 overall, have won seven in a row. And in conference play, a very nice 9-3-1. They have one more game in Great Midwest Athletic Conference play, or GMAC for short. They're at Ohio Valley on the 24th at 1 o'clock in New Concord, Ohio, in case you're wondering where Ohio Valley was. They're coming off a 1-0 win against Lake Erie at home and a 3-1 win against Ursuline, a female-only athletic college up in Pepper Pike, Ohio. The last time the Jackets dropped a game was on the 28th of September. They fell at Kentucky Wesleyan. They fell at the hands of Kentucky Wesleyan 1-0. And before that, they dropped a 3-1 decision to Ohio Dominican, also at home. 11-5-1 are the Yellow Jackets in women's soccer. For men's soccer, they won their senior night match 3-0 against Lake Erie in the Storm. They're also at Ohio Valley on the 24th. They'll play right after the women's soccer game. The Yellow Jackets coming off a 2-1 home loss to Walsh after taking down Malone 4-0 at home. The Yellow Jackets 7-6 in conference play and 8-8 overall in 2017. Now looking at volleyball, 14-11 are the Yellow Jackets. Winners of 4 in a row and 10-2 in GMAC play. The only two conference losses season in the hands of Kentucky Wesleyan at home and at Finley in five. The Yellow Jackets have won their last four matches and they are hosting the Indianapolis Greyhounds in a non-conference tilt on the 24th at seven o'clock for hosting Hillsdale and Finley this upcoming weekend at Tiffin and closing out the regular season Senior day against Ohio Dominican on the 4th and on the road to Kentucky Wesleyan and Trevecca in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll move just a little further down US 42 to Central State to how the Marauders are doing. Football and volleyball, both members of the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, pretty soon hosting Marauder Madness. It's hard to believe college basketball is just right in our grasp. But we're talking fall. We'll have a basketball podcast episode for you. 
At least that's what the plans are. Unless I have another month gap, which here's hoping I don't. Central State, 1-7 overall. 0-4 in conference play. 0-4 at home. Lost their senior day battle to Fort Valley State University by a 24-19 advantage. The only win of the season coming against Division I University of Arkansas Pine Bluff in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. 40-35 Marauders taking it. Two more games, both on the road for Central State. They're at Tuskegee University on the 28th and November 4th. They're at Lane, Tuskegee in Alabama, Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee. Now on to volleyball for the Marauders. 6-18 overall and 5-12 and in conference play. The Marauders coming off a three-set sweep at Urbana. Now will take place in the Urbana Invitational. We have two matches today against the host Blue Knights and Tiffin University. Before heading on the road to the Georgetown Boneyard Brawl in Georgetown, Kentucky. Which is just nearby Lexington, Kentucky. Marauders will take on the host Tigers, Indiana Wesleyan, Union College, Kentucky, and Campbellsville, Kentucky. Before coming back home, take on Kentucky State for the last game of the regular season. Thoroughbreds and the Marauders, November 2nd. That's at 6 at Beacom Lewis Gymnasium. If you've never been to the gymnasium at either Cedarville or Central State, you're missing out. They're very nice places. Since we mentioned Urbana, we'll jump up north briefly. We'll bypass Springfield for a minute and tell you how the Blue Knights are doing. They're in the Mountain East, formerly of the GMAC. This is the year when I was broadcasting Central State football and basketball. Soccer for both men and women. Football, too, and volleyball in there as well. Urbana. Just fell to number one Charleston by three nil score. Eight and six are the Blue Knights, and six and four in Mountain East play. They have lost the last game. Five and one at home, sweet home. Just three and five outside Urbana. And the Blue Knights with one more home game. That'll be the 25th, seven o'clock against Notre Dame, Ohio, for in the road this Saturday taking on Concord. Blue Knights eight and six in men's soccer play. And 6-4 and four in Mountain East. Look at women's soccer now. 2-10-3 are the Blue Knights. Lost their last game. 0-7-1 at home, but 2-3-2 away. They'll finish up the season on the 25th against West Liberty. And on the road at Concord on the 28th. Now for the Blue Knights gridiron squad. 3-5 is Urbana. 2-5 in Mountain East play. Lost three in a row since beating Charleston. The first night game in school history. I believe I mentioned that in episode 6. 25-21 was the Urbana's win over Charleston. But since then they dropped a road contest to Virginia Wise. 51-41. A home matchup with Notre Dame College on Hall of Fame Day at Urbana University Stadium. 45-7. And a road game at number 2 Shepard. 48-14. Glenville State. Is coming to Urbana on the 28th for homecoming before West Virginia State awaits the Blue Knights on the road and Concord comes into town on the 11th. And lastly for Urbana, 
We'll look at volleyball. Blue Knights are 13 and 12 overall, 6 and 3 in Mountain East play. Winners of three in a row are the Blue Knights. The last win was against Central State, and they're hosting the same Marauders on the 24th at 5 o'clock at the Grimes Center. Homecoming weekend for Urbana this weekend, 27th. West Virginia State in town, 31st on Halloween. It's Halloween night, spelled with a K, because, you know, Urbana Blue Knights. Charleston in town, and then the volleyball team has two games on the road, Shepard and Fairmont State, for hosting the last three of the regular season against Notre Dame, Ohio, West Liberty, Senior Night, and Veterans Night against Willing Jesuit. And the number one seed in the Mountain East gets to host the whole kit and caboodle. Now down to Springfield. We take a look at the Wittenberg Tigers. Very successful fall for Wittenberg's football team. The Tigers are 7-0 on the gridiron and 6-0 in NCAC play. The last game was a 52-6 thrashing at DePaul. The Tigers stay on the road for October. They'll close out their road part of the regular season on the 28th at Wabash. For hosting Ohio Wesleyan on the 4th and Wooster on the 11th. Tigers, like I mentioned, 7-0. They have very nice stats on their schedule page on WittenbergTigers.com. 4-0 away from home sweet home. 3-0 at home. 7 wins in a row. And they are scoring nearly 41.5 points per game. Now to men's soccer. 4-11-1 are the Tigers. 2-5 in conference play. Lost four in a row has Wittenberg. Last win was at home against Wooster, 1-0. Favor of the Tigers. Since then, Wittenberg has given up 18 goals in four matches while only scoring three. Last game was at home against Alhani, and the Tigers dropped it 7-2. Tigers finished off the regular season on the road at Ohio Wesleyan and Hiram. Now on to women's soccer. 4-6-3 and three is Wittenberg, 3-3 three and three in conference play. Coming off a 3-1 loss at Al- home against Allahanny. And they'll also have Ohio Wesleyan Hiram on the road for the Wittenberg Volleyball Squad. Undefeated in 18 matches. 7-0 in conference play. And an astonishing 12-0 at home. Had their senior day celebration on the 21st of October. A three-set sweep against Wooster. They'll finish up with the Benedictine University Tournament against Carthage and Eau Claire. For that, they'll be at Kenyon and Elmhurst. We'll take a look at nearby Clark State, also in Springfield, the southern end of the city. 2-11 in conference play. They're members of the Ohio Community College Athletic Conference, like Sinclair. 2-11 are the Eagles in conference play and 5-16 and overall. They sit 8th place in volleyball standings. 6 behind Sinclair and Lakeland, tied for 2nd at 10-4. and four. Of Edison Community College in Piqua. The Chargers are 8 and 5, 18 and 7 overall. Now we look at the Miami Redhawks. They do not have men's soccer. They haven't had it in quite some time. The women's soccer team, rough year for the Hawks. 214 1's Miami, 271 in the MAC. Coming off an overtime loss at Buffalo. The Redhawks will close out the regular season against Ball State on the 26th. At 3 p.m. Now look at volleyball. Always a good team at Miami U. 
And this year, no exceptions. 16 and 7 are the Hawks, 8 and 2 in MAC play, and 7 and 3 at home sweet home Oxford. Red Hawks will have a couple more matches before the end of the regular season. They'll spend this week on the 26th and 28th on the road at Bowling Green in Northern Illinois, respectfully, for coming home on the 3rd against Kent State and the 4th against the Ohio Bobcats. Battle of the Bricks, Hawks and Cats. For Miami, takes back to the road on the 10th against Buffalo. And the 11th at Akron for the MAC tournament will be held at Miami University. First round, second round, semifinal round, championship round, it's all in Oxford, Ohio this season. Now the Gridiron Hawks. The football Red Hawks are 3-5 and five overall, 2-2 two and two in the MAC. 2-2 two and two at home, 1-3 and three on the road. Celebrated their first win of the season on the 9th against Austin P, the same team that Cincinnati beat for their first win of the regular season. By the way, we'll talk about Cincinnati next. Miami's coming off a 24-14 win at home against Buffalo. Two rough losses. Miami will be due at Ohio on Halloween night. You can watch it on ESPN2. And then the Red Hawks will have their last two home games of the regular season. Heroes Night against Akron on the 7th. And Fan Appreciation Senior Night on the 15th of November. For traveling to Muncie, Indiana to take on Ball State on the 21st. And we look at the Cincinnati Bearcats fall season. Hilton Days and the Bearcats are 6-7-1 men's soccer team. 0-5 in the American Athletic Conference, however. 4-3-1 at home sweet home. Coming off a 2-0 loss versus SMU at home. Hosting Cleveland Stay on the 24th. At Tulsa on the 28th. And UCF comes into Gettler Stadium on the 4th of November. Got the women's soccer squad, Coach Neil Stafford. 11-3-3 are the Bearcats for 2-2 two and two in AAC play. Had the honor of PAing the draw against UCF, Central Florida. The first game the Golden Knights had since the hurricane hit, which would have been Hurricane Irma. Hurricane Harvey was the one that affected Houston. Bearcats and Knights played to a nothing-nothing draw. After that, the Bearcats rattled off three AAC wins in a row at home against South Florida, on the road at UConn, and on the road at Temple. Also picked up a home conference win against Tulsa, drew against Memphis, lost at Houston and SMU. A rough Texas trip. The last game of the regular season will be the 27th. It'll be against the Pirates of East Carolina. Look at the football side of things for the Bearcats. A rough year for Cincinnati. Dropping five in a row since the 42-32 loss at Navy. The Bearcats' two wins have been against Austin P and at Miami for the victory bell. Bearcats with some fancy closing time work against the Red Hawks to swipe the bell away from the host Miami Red Hawks in Oxford, Ohio. But since that victory bell win, five losses in a row, including an overtime homecoming loss to SMU. I listened to some of that game on radio. Tulane is next for the Gridiron Bearcats on the road in New Orleans. Home against Temple on the 10th, at ECU on the 18th, and at home against UConn on the 25th. All these games are at Nippert Stadium. We look at Bearcats volleyball now. 
Normally their home's at Fifth Third Arena, but since that's being renovated this year, St. Ursula High School is the home of the Bearcats, who are 9-13 overall, but 7-3 in AAC play. Coming off a three-set sweep at Memphis. They're now at SMU on the 26th, Tulsa on the 28th, and back home at St. Ursula Academy November 3rd and November 5th against Central Florida and South Florida. The regular season will end on the road as the Bearcats have a home-and-home with ECU. Pirates here in Cincinnati on the 22nd, and the Bearcats go to Greenville, North Carolina on the 24th at ECU. Now we jump to Xavier Musketeers, the other Division I school, north end of the river in Cincinnati. There's a third one, Northern Kentucky, but that's south end of the river. We mentioned Norse already in this podcast. No football for Xavier, and I don't believe they have a club football team anymore, which is a shame because the Wright State and Xavier games are always my favorite ones, especially going to Roger Bacon High School and broadcasting that game. Very, very tough game. Very good game for the Raiders, too, back then. 8-4-2 is Xavier's men's soccer squad. 3-3 three and three in the Big East. Muskies picking up a home win against Marquette. 1-0 over the Golden Eagles. Now heading out to DePaul in Chicago on the 25th for coming back home the 28th against Seton Hall at Butler on the 1st, and that's your regular season. Now for the women's soccer of Xavier, they're 8-6-4 overall, 4-2-2 in conference play, 7-2-3 at home, and one more regular season game for the Musketeers. They're at Georgetown in our nation's capital on the 26th at 2. And for the Musketeers volleyball squad, I got to see a video from their Facebook page showcasing their new blue lights at the Cintas Center. Be a very, very cool thing for basketball. Volleyball is 8-17 and 17 overall, 3-8 and eight in the Big East, 2-8 and eight at home. Xavier, however, coming off a three-set win at DePaul, breaking a losing streak of six. The Muskies will host Georgetown on the 27th and Villanova on the 28th. And that's your look at all the collegiate sports around the Miami Valley and Cincinnati area. Pre-editing, this is almost an hour. And I did want to talk about high school football and hopefully find some results of soccer playoffs as they are happening right now in the state of Ohio. I did something a little different today. I'm going to start with Indiana since there's a couple counties in the Miami Valley, Wayne County being the biggest of them as they're host to Richmond, Indiana. We'll take a look at the Red Devils. 0-10 overall is Richmond, 0-7 in North Central Conference play are the Red Devils, and they had their playoff game against Newcastle. The Trojans winning that 41-0, to sectional game. And that win for Newcastle means that Kyle York and his Trojans will now battle Mooresville. Richmond, Class 4A, sectional 22, led by Abraham Tofik, his first-year coach in Richmond. For the first time since 1939, I think this was on a previous podcast episode, the Red Devils fell in the hands of Connorsville. Connorsville winning in overtime 22-16, to and things really didn't get much better for the Red Devils. Lost all their games of the regular season. The closest loss was at Anderson, a 5A school, also in the NCC. A 32-13 loss to Richmond. A tough year for the Red Devils, but 
I believe they'll bounce back in 2018. I don't follow as much Eastern Indiana sports as I'd like to, but I know the past few years, Richmond has been very strong. Like I mentioned, Connorsville, that whole winning streak since the 30s, that's very impressive. A good win for Connorsville, too. So, in case you're interested, who's in the North Central? Richmond's your closest team. You have Lafayette, Jeff, McCutcheon, Harrison, and West Lafayette. Not in Harrison, Indiana, nearby Harrison, Ohio. That's not the same one. At least I don't think it is. Marion, Kokomo, Logansport, Indianapolis Tech, Anderson, and Muncie Central. So yes, Richmond travels a lot for NCC play. I mentioned West Lafayette on there. Kokomo's pretty far away from Richmond. Indianapolis Tech, well, it's probably the shortest trip outside Muncie, I suppose. That's your look at Richmond. Now to the Tri-Eastern Conference, the ever conference with a lot of schools around the Miami Valley. Hagerstown won the conference with a 7-0 record, scoring 265 points in conference play and 345 overall. Tigers finished 9-1 overall, won 9 in a row. The Centerville Bulldogs, not to be fused with the Centerville Ohio Elks, we're talking Indiana football for a minute. The Bulldogs went 7-3, 6-1 in tri-eastern play. Northeastern and Union County, the Patriots and the Knights, 4-3 in TEC play, and both of them finishing 5-5 five and five in the regular season. Also finishing 5-5 five and five in the regular season, but 3-4 and four in the Tri-Eastern is Tri. The Union City Indians going 3-7 and seven overall, 2-5 and five in the Tri-Eastern, and Lincoln and Winchester 1-6 and six in conference play, 1-9 overall. There is one game left as Tri is at Hagerstown for a 7 o'clock game. Those are the closest schools to Miami Valley. That Tri game is a sectional game. Hagerstown coming off a 40-12 win at North Decatur. Now it'll be a battle of Tri and Hagerstown. It's at Hagerstown, the Tri Titans. They're coming off a 60-14 sectional win against Oldenburg Academy. Tri is Class 1A, sectional 46. They went five and one or five and five overall and three and four in TEC play. Your look at Indiana high school football, now meaning we can jump into Ohio high school football. And yes, in my fall preview, I didn't get to it because it was an hour and I was my throat felt like it was on fire for talking all that long. But with the month absence, I like to catch up and tell you about high school football in the area. We're going to start division by division. I'll focus it on local teams. I promise you I won't bore you throughout the whole thing. And these unofficial stats are by Joe Idle. You can find him at Joe, you know, Cup of Joe. Idle is E-I-T-E-L dot com. When I broadcast high school football, that's the site I always hit up for numbers. In Ohio, you have to be in the top few to get playoffs. Not everyone goes to the playoffs. Even if you have a very nice record, points really matter. It's about your strength of schedule. Who wins? Who loses? There's a lot of numbers to crunch in there. We'll start off with the biggest division in Ohio. That's Division One, And we'll start off with Region 3, which normally you think, oh, that's Columbus. Yes, it's Columbus, but there's a lot of Dayton and Cincinnati teams on here. 
Centerville, what a year the Elks have had. Their only loss was at Northmont, a very good team as well. But the Elks are thriving. They have clinched a home game in the playoffs. Of course, these are all unofficial. But Centerville, it's Pickerington Central, Hilliard Bradley, Huber Heights Wayne, Clayton Northmont, Pickerington North, and kind of in, but they need to win in Week 10, Kettering Fairmont. Kettering Fairmont is 6-3. Good year for Kettering thus far. Their three losses. Hands to Beaver Creek, who is 6-3 as well. Wayne at home. However, a 35-28 win for the Warriors meant the Firebirds kept it very close. And they lost at Centerville, like I mentioned, who's having a dynamite year at 43-28. Kettering Fairmont's hosting Springfield, who's 6-3 on the year. Another 1-3 school. And the Fairmonts win that. It's most likely a playoff spot for Kettering Fairmont. Eighth place in Division One Region 3 is Springfield. So, again, that's a big game for the Wildcats. Reynoldsburg, Hilliard Darby, Beaver Creek, Miamisburg. They're still technically in the running for it. For a playoff spot, I mean. Miamisburg's 4-5. and five. Reynoldsburg, Hilliard Darby, and Beaver Creek are 6-3. and three. And the team's mathematically eliminated... Hilliard-Davidson, Lancaster, Grove City Central Crossing, Grove City Westland, and Grove Park Madison. You realize I said all the 18 squads in Division I Region 3? Well, there's a reason for that in... This is mainly Columbus schools, and Columbus schools happen to be very, very good at football. You know, more students, more schools, stronger teams. There's a couple Dayton-Cincinnati schools, like I mentioned, Centerville, Wayne, Northmont, Fairmont, Springfield, Beaver Creek, Miamisburg. They're in Division One, Region 3. The Elks are currently on top. Very, very cool to see Cincinnati and Dayton represent a region with a lot of other Columbus schools. We go to Division One, Region 4, where you see a lot more. Cincinnati and Dayton schools. In fact, this is all Cincinnati and Dayton schools. St. X is on top. The Bombers 8-1. Colerain at 7-2. Milford 8-1. A great year for the Eagles. And very happy I got to fill in for one game. It was Milford against Dixie Heights, Kentucky. Sycamore, Mason, Elder, Archbishop Muller, Fairfield, West Claremont. They all can troll their own duties. Lakota East still in the mix, and the teams that have been mathematically eliminated, Springboro at 4-5, and five, Princeton, same record, Lebanon 3-6, and six, Western Hills, Walnut Hills, Hamilton, Lakota West, Middletown, Oak Hills, and that's your lot. According to JoeIo.com's website, San X has clinched the number one seed, Colerain has clinched a home playoff game, Milford in the playoffs. We move down to Division 2. Top 8 get into the playoffs, everyone else goes home. And it's not necessarily the records, because if I look on here, Little Miami is 6-3. and three. However, they're eliminated because they can only get 13 and a quarter points. And the 18, Edgewood, 22.85. So there's no way, according to these stats, Little Miami would be able to jump that, because I don't think you can get that many points. Again, it's based mainly on points and how tough your schedule is and, you know, your results help too. But it's not just, hey, I won all 10. So we look at Division Two, Region 8, mostly Cincinnati and Dayton schools. LaSalle on top, 7-2 are the Lancers. 
Witten Woods Warriors 8 and 1, Anderson Redskins 8 and 1, their only loss was to Milford. Sydney at 8 and 1, the Yellow Jackets, Belmont 9 and 0, Harrison, which is Southwestern Ohio, the Wildcats 7 and 2, Troy Trojans 7 and 2, Edgewood 7 and 2, Chillicothe, which is the first team outside the top 8, they are 7 and 2. Tees Valley, I from Asheville, I knew Tees Valley from my days of track, by track I mean yeah, track. And outside that, in the mathematically eliminated categories, actually, Marion Harding also still in the running, too. Remember, there's just one regular season game left, as it is Lima Senior, Kings, Little Miami, Turpin, Tecumseh, Fairborn, Xenia, Withrow, Loveland, Western Brown, Carroll, Stebbins, and Oxford, Talawanda. They've been mathematically eliminated in Division Two, Region 8. Now on to Division Three, Region 12. If you're wondering how divisions are lined up, the lower numbers, your higher population of bodies, meaning Division One's the big division and Division Seven, which for football, uh, none of the other sports have divi- uh, Division Sevens. Uh, the smaller the number, the bigger the student populace is. That's how football's divided up. Trotwood Madison, Division Three, Region Twelve, running away with a 9-0 record, but Goshen also perfect record too. Kettering Archbishop Alter, just one loss. It was to hometown rival Fairmont. The Knights in the playoff spot. Franklin, 7-2. Chaminade Julienne controls their own destiny at 7-2. Elida, Wapakoneta, Dayton Dunbar, Salina, New Richmond, which is not near Richmond, Indiana. It's by Cincinnati. Stop asking. Archbishop McNicholas, Piqua, Wilmington, Bellbrook, Thurgood Marshall, Tipcanoe, and Mount Healthy. They're still in the running. I'd like to bring up the records. For Wapakoneta, Dunbar, Salina, Piqua, Wilmington, Bellbrook, Thurgood Marshall, they're all 6-3. and three. You have a 5-4 and four Archbishop McNicholas team. New Richmond is 7-2. and two. And you have Tippecanoe, Mount Healthy, Shawnee at 4-5. and five. Actually, Lima Shawnee is mathematically eliminated. Help if I have the laptop on an angle to see the colors, you know, like Excel sheets. But... Who needs that? So your mathematically eliminated teams, Lima Shawnee, Hamilton Baden, Northwest in Cincinnati, Vandalia Butler, Monroe, Woodward in Cincinnati, Ponitz Tech, Greenville, Hamilton Ross, and West Carrollton. Onward to Division 4, Region 16. Click. My alma mater, Valley View Spartans, are 9-0, and and they lead Division 4, Region 16. They have clinched the top seed of Division 4, Region 16. And there's a lot of schools in the top eight of Division Four, Region 16, that are part of Valley View's football history, if you don't know. Very proud of the 94, 96, 97 state titles. Taft Senators are 7-2. and two. They're number two of 416. Wyoming is one of those teams I was mentioning. The Cowboys are 9-0 and oh in Cincinnati. Jonathan Alder near Columbus. The Pioneers are 7-2. and two. Clinton Massey. That was a playoff game I remember going to in high school. Uh, Falcons and Valley View. That was at Barnett Stadium in Middletown. And Valley View came out on top. Clinton Massey, very strong football program. 8-1 and one overall are the Falcons. Indian Hill at 6, 8-1. and one. London Red Raiders near Columbus at 8-1. and one. Waverly would be the 8th seed right now, 6-3. and three. Bishop Fenwick, 4-5. and five. Springfield Shawnee. Oakwood, 5-4. and four. Cincinnati Aiken. Your last non-mathematically eliminated team, and the teams that have been mathematically 
zapped out of the playoffs. Kenton Ridge out of Springfield, Bactavia, Norwood, St. Bernard's, Roger Bacon. You also have Washington Courthouse, Washington, Northwestern in Springfield, Urbana, Cincinnati Hughes, Meadowdale, Eaton, Schroeder, Taylor, Graham, McLean, and Northridge in North Dayton. And we look at Division 5, Region 20. Middletown, Madison, 7-2, West Jefferson, 8-0, Cast Towns, Miami East Vikings at 8-1, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, or CHCA if you like short things, at 6-2, Bethel Tate, 9-0, Anna Rockets, 7-2, Greenview, part of the mix at 9-0, Redding, Brookville, Carlisle in the mix, as well as Cincinnati Summit Country Day. Mathematically eliminated. First team off the list is Preble Shawnee. They have won seven games and lost two. Their best record in quite some time. And the Arrows will not make the playoffs. Again, it's about points. And following the Arrows of Preble Shawnee, Claremont Northeastern, Marymount in Cincinnati, Versailles, Blanchester, Milton Union, Madeira, Madison Plains in London, which is a fairly big town close to Columbus, North College, Heal in Cincinnati, East Clinton of Lees Creek, the Astros, Greenan, Clark Montessori, Purcell Marion, Waynesville, Finneytown. I like Finneytown. That's a funny name. Division 6, Region 24. This used to be the smallest division and the last region to boot. It's not the case anymore and hasn't been for two years, three years, something like that. Marion Local, the Flyers up north, 9-0, Lima Central Catholic, 8-1, Coldwater's at 7-2, Bethel holding strong at 8-1, Spencerville at 7-2, my good friend Michael Hearn, he's very proud of his Bearcats, and any chance he gets to broadcast Spencerville Sports, hi Michael. Dayton Christian, which technically is in Miamisburg, just south of the Dayton Mall, the Warriors are 8-1, Mechanicsburg 7-2, St. Henry 6-3, Fort Recovery, West Liberty Salem at 7-2, Jefferson Delpho St. Jefferson, not Jefferson Township, which would be west of Dayton, east of New Lebanon. And New Lebanon Dixie has been eliminated because of Fort Recovery and St. Henry. Your other teams mathematically eliminated, 4-5 and five, Tri-County North, Covington, Fayetteville, Cincinnati Country Day, National Trail, West Alexandria's Twin Valley South, my hometown, ITVS, Riverview East Academy, Parkway, Bluffton, St. Bernard, Elmwood Place, Arcanum, Troy Christian, Allen East, Deer Park, Williamsburg, and Northeastern, and no, Deer Park is not Deers. It's Wildcats, I think. And Northeastern being Springfield, a.k.a. the Jets. But not Benny, just the Jets. Now, Division 7, Region 28. We look at the last region with Dayton, Cincinnati schools. Conway Crestview leading Division 7, Region 28, with Lehman Catholic at 8-1, both Crestview and Lehman Catholic 8-1. Delpho St. John's at 5-4, Fort Loramie 7-2. They play their football in the cross-county conference. The Redskins do. Minster at 5-4, Riverside 6-3, Ansonia 5-4. Good year for the Tigers. Perry and Miami Valley Christian Academy, which is in Cincinnati, not, you know, around Dayton, because Cincinnati's not part of Miami Valley. That's me scratching hairs and picking hairs, whatever. And Lockland and Gamble Montessori. And your teams that have been eliminated from JoeIdo.com, Springfield Catholic Central, Hillcrest Academy of Cincy, Southeastern Local, Hardin Northern, Upper Scioto Valley, New Bremen, Tri-Village, 
Yes, Tri-Village and the Patriots, they have football. And coming up soon, there will be full classified varsity football. I think they can... They're playing conference games this year. I know because Twin Valley South beat Tri-Village. You also have Cincinnati College Prep, New Miami, a small town north of Hamilton, Waynesville, Goshen, Missinawa Valley, Triad, Bradford, Cedarville, Jefferson Township, that's between Dayton and New Lebanon, and Mount Victory, Ridgemont. Mount Victory, Ridgemont, that's a cool name. But we're not here to talk about cool names. That's look at all the Dayton and Cincinnati schools from around here. And that's all from joeio.com. Again, nothing's official, but his numbers end up being pretty darn ace. Like I said, when I broadcast high school football games, I would go to joeio.com for schedules and for numbers and stats. It's all on there. Now we'll look at boys and girls soccer tournaments. So as you might know, boys and girls soccer start sectionals on the 16th and 21st, so we're done with sectionals. Districts begin on the 23rd through 28th. Regionals get October 31st to November 4th. Your state championship goes November 7th through the 11th. That's your calendar on soccer. And I know a good friend of mine, Chad Hollingsworth, he has been following his Belbrook Golden Eagles religiously. His daughter played for the Golden Eagles, suffered a bad injury. Hopefully she's doing better, Chad. Hi, Chad. And Belbrook. Took down Bishop Fenwick by a one nothing score in overtime. It's a very good win for Bellbrook. Very strong soccer program. As we now look at Southwest District. This is off SWDAB.org. And it helps me out a lot because it keeps schools in the Southwest area. And that's the area I want to talk about. So your boys soccer district semifinal tournament, which is scheduled for October 24th, Tuesday which is the day I'm recording and hopefully posting this and not deleting the entire episode. For Division 1, number 2 Anderson takes on number 8 Sycamore. That's at Lakota West. At Lakota East, it will be Lakota West number 6 against number 9 Milford. Number 3 Mason takes on number 5 St. X at Princeton in Cincinnati. Hamilton High School hosts number 4 Fairfoot against number 10 Loveland. You have number 1 Archbishop Mulder out of Cincinnati against number 13 Lakota East at Sycamore High School. At Northmont in Inglewood, you have number one Beaver Creek squaring off against number seven Miamisburg. Number three Centerville takes on number four Springboro at Springfield. And at Centerville High School, it's number two Carroll against number nine Northmont. That's your Division I battles for boys soccer, district semifinal tournament schedule. Division two has number three Indian Hill against number five Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. That's at Madeira High School. At Milford, you have number eight Wilmington against number seven Roger Bacon. At Kings High School, in Kings Mills, yes, next to Kings Island. You have number two, McNicholas, against number one, Wyoming. You have number 12, Tippecanoe, against number four, Chaminade Julien, at Kettering Fairmont. Alter versus Bellbrook, two and three, at Xenia. Number one, Bell Fountain, against number three, Northwestern. So at Kettering Fairmont High School, you have number 12, Tippecanoe, against number four, Chaminade Julien, or CJ, if you like. Number one, Bell Fountain, squares off against number three, Northwestern, at Piqua. And we jump to Division 3. Number 3, Marymont against number 4, Madeira at Indian Hill. Marymont High School hosts number 2, Cincinnati Country Day against number 5, Seven Hills. Number 1, Summit Country Day against number 6, Finneytown at Winton Woods High School. Bellbrook will host number 17, Dixie against number 1, Dayton Christian. 
Greyhounds Avenue, Lebanon. Number five, Yellow Springs against number six, Milton Union at Franklin High School. Eaton will host number two, Bethel against number 13, Franklin Monroe. Sydney has number three, Troy Christian against number nine, Springfield Catholic Central. And number four, West Liberty Salem against number 10, Miami Valley School, which is just right down the road on Ron Road. They will be squaring off at Monroe. As you look at boys soccer, those are all scheduled for October 24th. We'll look at the girls' schedule tournament. The district finals are as follows. At Bellbrook for Division One, it's Loveland against Sydney. At Princeton, it's Fairfield against Lebanon. Springboro takes on St. Ursula, Lakota East. Monroe High School hosts Mason against Beaver Creek. Division Two, Bellbrook against Marymount at Lakota West. At Hamilton, it's Waynesville against Indian Hill. Baton against Carroll at Northmont. Tippecanoe against Alter at Springfield. And Division Three. by the way, those last four of Division Two, in case I didn't say it. Summit Country Day against Springfield Catholic Central at Chaminade Julian High School. Roger Bacon, Dynamo fans, get out there, see soccer. West Liberty Salem against Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy at Kettering Fairmont. Centerville hosts Madeira against Milton Union. And last one of Division Three, Layman Catholic against Anna. That's at Bell Fountain. That's your look at boys and girls soccer. We'll go ahead and take a look at volleyball, too. It's not fair to cover one without the other. Your tournament schedule for Tuesday, October 24th, Division 2. Both these matches at Tecumseh. It will be number 2, Tippecanoe versus Graham. Right after number 12, Bell Fountain squares off against number 3, Greenan. And that's your look at the Ohio Southwest District. We'll look at the district semifinals. This is wrong on the page. Again, these are all off of swdab.org. Starting off with the district semifinals at Lakota East High School, it is two matches Ursuline Academy versus West Claremont, battle of 1 and 16. Number 4, Mason against Lakota East, number 10 after that. At Sycamore High School, two matches Mount Notre Dame against Turpin and Mother of Mercy against Anderson. One match at Lakota West, it is St. Ursula against Loveland. Vandalia Butler High School has Springboro against Tecumseh and Centerville, who's number 1, taking on number 10, Northmont. Troy and Beaver Creek, 3 and 4 at Centerville, just one match at CHS. Division 2, two matches, Wyoming against Roger Bacon for Wednesday, October 25th. And Archbishop McNicholas against Taylor, again in Wyoming and Cincinnati. Division 3 at Blanchester, it's Redding taking on number 1 Williamsburg, Waynesville against CHCA. At Brookville High School, Benjamin Logan squares off against Anna, and West Liberty Salem takes on Miami East. At Marymount, to round up Division 4, Felicity Franklin takes on Miami Valley Christian Academy, and Cincinnati Christian goes to work against Fayetteville. At Troy High School, it's Rushi against Cedarville, Jackson against Emmanuel Christian, and at Arcanum High School, Fort Loramie against Houston, and it's Sydney Layman Catholic against Riverside. That is your battle in volleyball for tomorrow in the district semifinals. We'll go over the semifinals Thursday, October 26th. Not so many matches, just four spots. Tecumseh High School has Shawnee against Kenton Ridge. I believe that's Springfield Shawnee. Because normally if it's Preble or Lima, it'll say Preble or Lima. And Bell Fountain and Greenan, the winner of that match, takes on the winner of Graham and Tippecanoe. And that'll be the last game at Tecumseh on the 26th. Alter versus Monroe at Lebanon. And Bishop Fenway takes on Bellbrook. For the second match at LHS. 
In Division 3, Madeira against Seven Hills at Marymount. And at Brookville, it's Versailles against Greenview. And that's your look at the district semifinals of girls volleyball. The district finals bracket will be posted at a later time. Again, swdab.org is where you can find all the lovely schedules. So we mentioned collegiate, we mentioned high school, and we get down to pros. I don't have to tell you that the Cincinnati Reds disappointed this year. Start off so well, 10 games under 500 by the All-Star break, and then plop goes the bottom. It is a shame. Hopefully it gets better in 2018. We'll see. The Bengals, on the other hand, you may have listened or watched, probably watched last Sunday's battle with Pittsburgh. Very close second half. I was listening in the car when the Bengals had the ball for the last drive of the first half. Going three and out, when you are so neck and neck with Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, you have to take these chances. You have to go for it. They did not. Pittsburgh ended up winning it and holding Cincinnati to, what was it, two first downs in the second half. Mixon didn't get any carries. He was quite upset about that. And Martavis Bryant, quite upset with the lack of catches and throws his way. Type of thing. So drama on both sides, but Pittsburgh, you know, kind of running away with the AFC North now. The Steelers, they won it big against Cincinnati. And then Dan Horde, the voice, the radio voice of the Bengals, mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, the uh, Pittsburgh quarterback's record against Cincinnati and Cleveland. And I think the overall losses he suffered against Ohio teams is what, five to about 40 some wins? The former Miami Red Hawk. So yeah, Pittsburgh after that big KC win, their mojo is picking up. They look hard to stop. And the Bengals, after those nice wins, especially against Buffalo, had a real strong defense. Yeah, tough year for the Bengals, even tougher year for the Cleveland Browns, which by the way, if you're a Bengals fan, you probably already know where to listen on the radio, but... 104.7 FM for Bengals fans, or 700 uh, since the red season's over. And for Cleveland fans, you can listen to it on 1290, 95.7 FM. You can listen to the Browns games on there. I do it, you know, when I work Sunday and there's a football there's football games on, I'll normally flip through the stations, listen to it. Tough year for the Browns. It's looking like it's going to be... Tough year. I'm not saying 0-16. I mean, Indianapolis might have been the best shot for a win, but we'll see how it goes. I'm not good at predicting the future type of thing. So, FC Cincinnati did get into the playoffs in the USL. However, met their match with a 3-0 decision for the host Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tough year for FC Cincinnati and the USL. The big story was the Open Cup run. Knocking out Columbus, Chicago Fire, having the way in the beginning with the New York Red Bulls. And it turns out FC Cincinnati couldn't hold that lead. Very sad ending to the cup for FC Cincinnati. And that will take us to the MOS talk. Anthony Precourt, of course, you might have heard, talking about moving his crew to Austin, Texas, if he can't get a downtown stadium. 
Now, I know this podcast is about Cincinnati and Dayton sports. I tend to keep it that way. I'm going to step out of that boundary for this. I read an article yesterday, and I tweeted it on my Twitter, the Lee W. Mowen. It's from Channel 6, which is Columbus's ABC affiliate, WSYX6 on Twitter. There's a former Crew SC executive saying this team's not going anywhere. It's just a plot to get a new stadium. Crew Stadium slash Mafrae Stadium isn't even 20 years old yet. That would happen in 2019. Uh, sure, it's been home to the scoreboard catching on fire. Uh, that happened a couple years ago. But think about it. U.S. national team constantly plays there against Mexico. And that's a tough place to play. And U.S. has done a nice job defeating Mexico in Columbus. If you move the crew, you lose that. I mean, what's going to happen to Monterey Stadium? I mean, sure, it's on fairground territory. And sure, if you have it downtown, you have all those nice restaurants, bars, theaters, and everything. You're right next to the Blue Jackets and the Clippers, the AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. Sure, that's a hot ticket. But if I remember right, there's not much room to make an arena district. There's a lot of buildings there. There's a lot of railroads that are going through there. There's a lot of highway. You know, 670 cuts through there, you know? a lot of roads. Where are you going to build this Crew Stadium 2.0? I I don't see how you can move one of the pillar teams of the MLS. One of the four founding teams of the Major League Soccer, which formed in 1996, played a couple years at Ohio Stadium, at Ohio State, and then moved to Crew Stadium. I always wanted to go to a Crew game. I even interviewed the Yellow Nation Army while I was still in college radio, and I never took them up on that offer, and they disbanded. I mean, Yellow Nation Army, not the, um, you know, the team. I hope to make it to a crew game in 2018. I don't know if I will or not, but I hope, I hope it, I hope the crew don't get moved. Even if FC Cincinnati does get an MLS, which, you know, we'll move on to that. I mean, I get what Hamilton County tax voters are going for. I mean, that deal's probably, that's a bad deal. I don't live in Hamilton County, I can assure you that. But think about it, that's going to be taxed for a good long time. Paul Brown and Great American. I mean, I get people's, you know, disbeliefs, but look how well FC Cincinnati does on attendance. They're constantly breaking their own records. They're constantly breaking the USL records. I mean, they drew better than the Columbus crew did. I mean, if the crew were to move to Austin, Texas, and FC did get the MOS, you know, membership, that'd be sad because that's a natural battle you have. That's a natural rivalry. You can start up right there. You know, the hell is real route. Which I always thought was between uh, Dayton and Columbus, but... No, there's there's a sign that's between Columbus and Cincinnati on 71. There was uh, something else. It was about the Ten Commandments. I don't remember if it's up there or not. I, I haven't been to Columbus in a long time. Very sad. Crew fans, I feel you here in Dayton. I know Dayton Dynamo reached out to teed off crew fans. I know the Dynamo aren't going anywhere. And I feel like the Dynamo's on the way up. I feel like things are going to be very exciting for year number three. Build off the playoff appearance, going 1-1 in the NPSL Midwest playoffs. 
I think Dayton can do some real damage again next season. I can't wait to come back to broadcast it. As you look at pros, Blue Jackets, how can this hockey broadcaster not talk about hockey? Tell you the Blue Jackets so far seems promising. It's very early in the season. Remember, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I just hope that, unlike last year, the Blue Jackets peak close to the playoff time, not during that 16-game winning streak. Right now, your Blue Jackets have five wins against three losses, 10 points for Columbus, eight games played. Would currently occupy one of two wildcard spots if the season were to end today. And the Blue Jackets would be behind the Metropolitan to New Jersey Devils 6-2, Pittsburgh Penguins 5-3-1, Philadelphia 5-3. In the Atlantic, it's Tampa Bay 7-1-1, Toronto 7-2. What a great start for the Maple Leafs. Ottawa 4-1-3, Columbus, like I mentioned, 5-3, and, and the Islanders of New York 4-3-1. They will be above Detroit, Washington, Carolina, Boston, Florida, Buffalo, New York Rangers, and Montreal, who has one of their worst starts in 76 years at 1-6-1. Looking at the West real quick, because I do like my Winnipeg Jets. I like that Winnipeg got a team back, and I also like the Canadian teams. St. Louis 6-2-1, Chicago 5-2-2, Dallas 5-3 in the Central. Pacific, it's the Kings 6-1-1, handed their first regulation loss to the hands of Toronto. Brand new Vegas Golden Knights, they're 6-1, Vancouver 4-3-1. In the wildcard spot, the Predators 4-3-1, and, and Winnipeg would have the last wildcard spot in the season we're in today at 4-3. Those teams are ahead of Colorado, San Jose, Calgary, who had to put uh, Jaeger on the IR, in case you haven't saw. 4-4 four four is Calgary. Anaheim Ducks, 3-3-1. Three, three Minnesota, Edmonton, who's 2-5. and five, And Arizona, who is winless. And we'll talk about local hockey. High school hockey's not set to start until next month. It always seems like high school hockey just blows on by. Centerville High School's got a new head coach in Scott Mathis, who's part of the Air Force, also helped coach with uh, Greg Gutterman's Beaver Creek Beavers. He's now the head coach at Centerville. Tony Morris leading the Springboro Panthers. There's two teams at South Metro, Centerville and Springboro. Alter moved to Kettering Ice Arena, along with the Beaver Creek Beavers. You also have Talawanda, who calls Miami University home. What a nice rink. I, I, <laughs> I wish we could photocopy, like, beam by beam, take the same building Miami's Guggen Ice Arena has, and bring it to Dane and Wright State to have varsity hockey. That's just the um, jealous side of me. The jealous, the um, you know needy side that I want my alma mater or my employer to have varsity hockey. But very nice rink. Uh, in Cincinnati, you have Mason Sycamore. Brand new this year, LaSalle Lancers. You also have Moeller, St. X, and Elder. And up north, you have the Troy Trojans as well, making up the Sunday hockey scene. Hopefully... I have a podcast about that coming up. And in junior hockey news, the Dayton Falcons did indeed fold after their 7-0 loss at Wooster. That last game against the Oilers was declared a visiting forfeit. And news kind of spread that the Falcons folded. That was the old Cincinnati Thunder franchise. Does make me sad. That's a couple broadcasting opportunities out the window, but... 
I know at South Metro Sports, I'll still get my hands in for youth hockey, uh, Tri-State Spartans, Dayton Stealth. Call the Dayton Stealth uh, Varsity High School game earlier in the year. A 4-2 loss to the Norsemen to the north of Northern Kentucky. No affiliation with NKU. Different colors, you see. Northern Kentucky's black and gold, and the hockey team's black and red. Well, that's your look at uh, everything. Oh, and a nice little bit of news for me. I had an opportunity to be the PA announcer for a Fall World Series for the Miami Valley Prospects. They're a summer team helping high school baseball players move up to collegiate ranks, improving their game. Uh, Jordan Kopp reached out to me. Hi, Jordan. It's been an episode of shout-outs. I think that's three or four, maybe, but I'm sorry. Got a chance to do it. A lot of fun at Fairborn High School. Good baseball. Red team won both games, and it was quite a treat. So I think that will about wrap it up, episode 10. Like I mentioned, sorry about the month delay between episodes. I'll try to get a routine going again. Don't know what my plan for episode 11 is. Uh, Hopefully I'll figure out something. I'm going to have some guest stars again on the podcast. Mark Schlemmer, of course, he'll be on a future episode again. I know a lot of people like having Mark on, so I like having Mark on too. Learned a lot from him. Hope to have Jim DeBelt again talking girls basketball. Uh, hopefully Nick Poe of South Metro Sports will come on and talk uh, hockey coming up. And that's that's a wrap for episode 10. Again, sorry. Don't know why it took me a month to get back on the blue snowball. That's the microphone I use. And record, talk, but that's how it wound up. So, in case you'd like to follow me on social media and you don't, Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, Facebook and Instagram too. And you can visit my website, theleewmowen.com. If you like numbers, seeing what all I've done in my career, well, there's a page for you for that. Also, gemcitysports.com. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in, and hopefully episode 11 will be happening next week. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming back, and let's keep this afloat. This podcast isn't dead, and I am not a crook's head. Someone said that once. Night! Thanks for listening to The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Don't forget to like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcaster, The Lee W. Mowen, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, visit www.theleewmowen.com and www.gemcitysports.com. Thank you.